It's time to go full speed ahead with Michael Kelly. Each week, we take you inside all the big sports stories at USF from the perspective of the man who oversees the program, Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And we're back after a week off, and thanks to the power of Microsoft Teams, where we'll be teaming in with a very special guest in just a few minutes, back with Michael Kelly. And speaking of back, I know when we last left, it was the day of the national championship, and then you were headed out for a load of important big-time meetings. We'll get to those in just a little bit, but since you also last left, I don't believe the basketball team has lost. We're talking about the men's basketball team. And, Michael, it was funny. We talked to Amir Abdurrahim the day after they defeated Memphis in that memorable victory, one of the most memorable in South Florida basketball history. And I flat out put the question to him. You realize that, you know, most people on a day of a Bucks playoff game, there's no other options. I think people had the men's basketball game as an option. He said, hey, you can watch both at the same time. Just come to the Yingling Center. A lot of people did, and a lot of people are excited about this team. Yeah, they sure are. And what a great run it's been. I guess it's eight out of the last nine wins ever since we uh, – beat Florida State uh, down in uh, Broward County. That was a big, big deal. And we've been playing extremely well ever since. So we're really proud of the coaches and the team for uh, accepting their roles, starring in their roles, and, and really coming together with some great chemistry. So hopefully we'll we'll keep it going. But a really good crowd. Uh, like you said, huge win, huge historic win to win at number 10 Memphis, then to come home and have a really good crowd for the uh, Wichita State game. It was just It was just great. And we look forward to this upcoming weekend when – both men and women are at home again, uh, the men on Saturday afternoon against UTSA, but it'll be an alumni night for them where we've invited former coaches and players back. I know over 40 have already signed up to be a part of it already. And then the women have a similar program on Sunday where I know they've got dozens coming back also. So for those that have always loved USF basketball on the men's and women's side, this will be a special weekend for you to catch both games. And, and uh, it's always great to see our former players could come back, so so we're awfully excited. The men play against UTSA Saturday at 4 o'clock. The women, a big one against East Carolina Sunday at noon. I do want to get your reaction to that win against Memphis because it was just one of those games where, and I guess this is one positive, right? The team is losing by 20, and you don't turn it off. At least I didn't turn it off. Still had that hope because they had been down at UAB by 10 and came back. They've been down, frankly, in the second half of all of their victories in conference so far. But to win against that team, regardless of how much they were down, and to just sort of have the reaction, and I know it wasn't just right when the game ended, but Coach and others got a lot of reaction afterwards. What have you gotten? Yeah, obviously even got a lot of texts that that night because everyone was watching. It was an ESPN telecast, and yeah. a lot of people watching good hoops that, that night. And for us to take down the number 10 team was, was huge. And then to have the maturity to come back and beat a very good uh, Wichita State team. We'd only beaten them once in our entire time in the conference so far. So uh, to, to take care of business there was good. And now just great opportunities again this week. I mean, we go, we go, go up to uh, Temple uh, midweek this week and then, then come back for the alumni weekend that we talked about. So lots of baby steps along the way. I was proud of the team for uh, accepting that, that need for maturity and, and focus to, uh, come back and take care of business on uh, over the weekend against Wichita. Well, a guy that took care of a lot of business in all their last three wins. You know, you go back to the second half against Rice where the man only, you know, scored 27 points and went 15 to 16 at the line. And do you fall flat after that? Nope. <laughs> he was the big reason why they came back against Memphis. Uh, and then again with clutch shot after clutch shot. And thank goodness 
the American Athletic Conference was watching and rightfully named Kaysen Pryor the AAC Player of the Week. I love the guy from the very first couple of games just from the energy that he brought off the bench and the enthusiasm. I didn't know that he was ever going to be a guy that could go for 20 and 10. Frankly, I would not have seen that coming, uh, but it's legitimate for men, and he's proven it time and time again. Yeah, part of the enjoyable part of this uh, recent you know, streak of eight, eight of nine has been that someone else kind of answers, seems to keep answering the bell when they, they need him. That's what I mean by starring in your role and coming up when when you need to. And, and you're right, these last three games, Kaysen has uh, done a tremendous job, always with the defensive energy, a ton of rebounds, but, uh, um, you know, bringing great energy onto the court to offensively now too. He's special in that he's really tall, but he had developed great almost guard-like skills uh earlier in his career because he kind of had a big growth spurt later on in high school and and uh, so that's that's why he can play at 611 and and bring the ball up the, the court like a guard you know <laughs> so it's a really 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 helpful but yeah i mean when he had the 27 point night the other day and he got on a roll we were all kind of like man what do you have to do to win the <laughs> player of the week in this league and then uh, he goes out and has two uh, tremendous occasions and and again, the other special thing is, wow, what a, a tremendous job at the free throw line to have boys in all these games to really hit at a high clip on that and, and really have some clutch free throws to, to win uh, all these games down the stretch. Well, the guy that got it over him was Memphis's Javon Quinterly for making a three-pointer at the buzzer. Their stats were similar, and of course it all worked out in the Bulls' favor because he had a chance to do the same, and the Bulls got the win, and eventually Kaysen got player of the week. Now, your special guest is going to be able to back up some of the other things we're about to talk about but last week tell people what you were up to and then we'll go right into our special guest yeah last week uh, went to the ncaa convention an annual event um that's always held in january and this year was out in phoenix freezing temperatures in the mornings in <laughs> phoenix but uh it turned out to be nice afternoons but uh big crowd at the uh phoenix convention center downtown and uh the meetings mostly focused for me on competition oversight which is every um, championship with the exception of football and men's and women's basketball. So a lot of uh, 90 plus sports to talk about and, and, and get the handle the business that they have. And then working on very various things regarding NIL as a member of the NIL working group and the NCA D1 council, we were able to pass some legislation that put some new guardrails, particularly in the theme of student athlete protections, uh, which is an important first step. Uh, and then now we've introduced some new legislation that will be voted on in April regarding how how increasingly involved an institution can be in helping student athletes uh, with their NIL and then ultimately trying to put some deeper restrictions and uh, guardrails related to recruiting so that we can try to get a little bit better handle on current tampering and inducements and things of that nature that need to be better clarified. So those are things that were introduced, things that will uh, talk about more and we were so i was so honored to be able to have uh, leo maderos from our women's golf team be out there you'll hear all about it with her but just to have another student representative on our from our campus to be able to uh, advise us advise me about uh, the true voice of the student athlete and very empowering and very exciting to be a part of that journey with her so looking forward to this next segment yeah well let's uh, get right to it because i say leo and i know you mentioned student athlete that she is uh, a tremendous student in addition to being a big time member of that women's golf team that did such great work last year making the NCAA tournament and we'll uh, team her in and I'll stop talking and let you take it from here. Well on today's episode of Bull Speed Ahead we're very fortunate to have a very special guest as promised in a recent episode that we're joined by Leo Medeiros who's a star player for 
our women's golf team, who, as we all know, made the tournament last year and had an amazing fall and ready for the spring season coming up. But beyond what's happening in golf, uh, doing amazing things, obviously in the classroom, which the golf team had one of the very be- had the very best uh, grade point average last semester, which is exciting. But also taking leadership roles as it relates to uh, uh, SAC and ultimately even the, the national SAC, which is why we've got Leo joining us today, because Leo joined us uh, at the NSA convention, representing not only USF but the American Athletic Conference as the SAC representative amongst the entire SAC uh, group, for which had a representative from every conference there. So, Leo, thank you for joining us uh, today, first and foremost. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here and to talk about such an important thing as NCAA D1 SAC. So before we get into that important thing, like tell us a little bit about how you all felt about the fall with your overall performance and how you're looking forward to the spring season coming up. We're in such a good momentum. There's a lot of great energy going on in our team. We had a great fall. We were every pl- tournament that we were playing, we were playing to win. I mean, we had in four tournaments, one first place, one second, one third, and one fourth. All of them we could have won. And it's pretty cool when you're um, playing a tournament. Every tournament you play, you're playing to win. So very, very good energy. And we're so excited to start the spring. We know we'll do good. And uh, just great energy. Really, really excited to get going. Well, one of my favorite things from 2023 was to be with you guys when you uh, were on the selection show and saw that you made the tournament and then to go down with you down to the Palm Beach area to to actually perform and you performed so well. So looking forward to uh, the great potential of that happening again uh, with you guys with the streak you've got going on right now. So good sure. luck. Thank you. Yeah, this I know this year we won't be stressed as to if we're making the tournament or not. I know our ranking will be high enough to do it. So we'll be more relaxed. We'll still celebrate, but for sure more relaxed, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, we'll have the ranking and we'll uh, challenge and go ahead and win the American and get it automatic if we have to. So that's, that's oh, fun too. <laughs> so, and then before we get into the governance aspect, uh, talk a little bit about the emphasis that you as a team and certainly Coach Brennan and Coach Stevens put on uh, the academic performance. Because as I mentioned before, women's golf with the very best uh, grade point average last semester. I mean, we're student athletes, right? Um, our grades are as important and as our performance in the golf course. And our coaches put a big emphasis on that. So we know that school is very important too. And uh, we're a very um, determined group of girls that want to have good grades. And yeah, just, you know, when you know that you have to do that as well, it's not only um, your scores in the golf course. You just work as hard as you do um, in the golf course. So that's what we do. Well, congratulations on that performance as well. That was impressive to see, and and I'm sure pride amongst all student athletes because really all five of you to get 500 of you together all performed over a 3.0, which just kind of shows the seriousness that uh, this great great group of student athletes has here at, at USF. So just like on the golf course, I've walked around with you at championship events when you've had to come in mid-round and go ahead and fire off a, gr- a great round. Uh, similarly, for this NCAA convention, we have a great uh, American uh, representative normally who's a young man on the men's basketball team at Tulane, but he had a game, wasn't able to make it. So when did you get the call? How did you get notified and uh, get ready for that first NCAA convention that you attended? So I was at uh, towards the end of the semester, of the fall semester, Carlton talked to me and said that the conference uh, had requested if I could go represent 
the American conference at USF at the NCAA convention. At first, I was like, whoa, what is this? But as I, you know, learned more about it, and I mean, just to prove that our coaches care, going back to what we're talking about, care about our grades, they care about these leadership positions as well. Obviously, I had to ask coaches, coaches, can I miss first week of practice? And they were like, absolutely, you cannot deny an opportunity like that. And yeah, that's kind of how it went. I saw how kind of big of big of a deal this was, and I was like, yeah, I'm going. This is going to be awesome. And it was. It was incredible. Well, cool. So before we get into some of the specifics, let's tell everybody a little bit about it that haven't been to the NSA convention. It's a huge deal. It happens once a year, usually in, in early January, and it's it's all three divisions of NCA. It's also the NAIA comes to it too. I mean, every college, uh, every university or college that has college sports at any level is there. So it's really interesting to see everyone there all voting on different aspects of their division. And in addition to actual governance, things that will get done that, that we'll uh, talk about that the student athlete has such a tremendous voice in nowadays as it should. But also there's a lot of professional development, certainly towards students and towards other administrators coming up. So before we even talk about what uh, the, the the issues of the day related to SAC and to the American Athletic Conference, talk to, talk to us a little bit about other events that you went to that weren't even about governance. What, what other kind of sessions did you go to to, to learn about uh, just things in general? Yeah, like you said, this convention, it is, it is a big deal and they have a lot of things going on. I went to a mental health panel, like a huge seminar about mental health and about the mental health best practices that luckily just got approved. We can get into that maybe later, but um, we went to uh, NIL, a huge seminar as well. So a lot of infor information being passed to us, um, even you know outside of what's going on at the SAC, um, national SAC. So a lot of information on college sports in general. Besides that, just um, all the meetings we had every day um, that I know we'll talk more about it. And then just hanging out with the D1 SAC. I mean, these are student athletes that want to use their voice to advocate for all the millions of student athletes that exist so it's awesome opportunity to have the to hang out with them that's great did you know any of the other students beforehand or did you meet most of them all in the room i did not i met all of them in the room and i know that some of them will be friendships forever so that's how impactful this event was that's great. So again, for our listeners, SAC, uh, S-A-A-C, stands for Student Athlete Advisory Committee, and it's something that every campus has a chapter of, in essence, as we do here at USF, where basically there's two or three representatives from every team, ultimately leadership that leads up to that, that continues to advise our administrators, coaches, and myself on issues that are important to USF student athletes. But obviously, this was an opportunity to go talk about it on a national level. My involvement at the, at the convention itself serves on a, a couple different I serve as chair of what's called the uh, Competition Oversight Committee, which is a committee that helps manage and run all the different championships for the NCA, except for men's and women's basketball and football. So every other Olympic sport I have a chance to get involved with. And then I serve on a subcommittee as it relates called the NIL Working Group, which we had a meeting when we were out there, and then ultimately serving on the D1 Council uh, which is again one representative for every conference at the division one level and i happen to serve as the american rep just like uh, leo was serving as a student rep so that's what i was working on i was there i got there on monday night 
Uh, Tuesday, I was all about competition oversight committee. All day Wednesday uh, was about the division one council. And then Thursday, I visited with you and some others at a breakfast. And then obviously I, I came home and you continued to, to stay. So before we get into some of the things council did, let's go to you now just on strictly when you enter the room about the SAC itself, your first full day in the in the room and a full agenda, I'm sure. So what were just some of the things that you talked about and, and, and what was of primary importance to stress from the, the SAC viewpoint of things? In this college athletics journey, luckily, um, the student athletes are having more and more of a voice and of opinions and uh, that we talked a lot about that. So we talked a lot. I thought what what was awesome and I wanted to say this is the fact that um, I got me and all the other student athletes, but me for the first time uh, got the chance to have a seat at the almost the decision making table. Right. That's what D1 National SAC is about. We. Um, influence decisions just as much as you do and all the other administrators and almost the president so that that's really cool we we started by meeting everyone and then we talked a lot about project d1 everything that comes with that uh we talked a lot about nil a lot about nil we had information sessions about nil uh, we talked a lot about the transfer portal all the changes that are going on. Um, one specific thing that we talked about is, should we allow student athletes to transfer as many times as they want? Well, the two priorities that D1 National SAC has, and I think everyone has these two priorities, are graduation and playing time. So now, obviously, there's that rule that if you transfer one, we're talking about undergrad, you don't have to sit for a whole year. So the playing time, we can check that box, but then what about graduation? Like you, if you transfer, you might want to transfer three, four times, but you can't do it because you're not going to transfer within those years that you have. So we talked a lot about that. And then we talked about Project E1 and those were kind of the main things that we talked about. There's some heavy, uh topics and to, and to and to your point on the on the transfer and that's really what we're talking about at the at the at the council level and, and obviously we have representatives from the SAC that come in and represent your voices there which is awesome um but as it relates to the transfer to your point like when you transfer if you transfer too many times really it's a matter of where you're transferring from and transferring to and can all your credits that you've worked so hard for actually be accepted by that new school and if they can't then you're almost like going backwards Toward graduation was exactly what you're saying, and that's kind of the big one of the big. Uh, you ex ex explained it really well because, well, yeah, one of it's about playing time and going where you want to go. The other part is what we call progress toward degree, and and that's something that I think a lot of fans sometimes lose sight of when they say, well, why didn't so and so get accepted there? Why can't they come? It's like, well, if they're not on a progress that they can graduate from a great school like USF or vice versa, if they go somewhere else. Um, you know, just it just won't work, and it's kind of contrary to to that other box that you're talking about in terms of graduation. So you explain that extreme extremely well. Um, but let's talk about Project D1. That's a big deal that didn't get voted on yet, but it's certainly a major introduction of topics, and and really one that President Baker had put forth uh, a couple of weeks prior to the convention to be able to get people to start thinking because, as we've talked about with student athletes and staff and fans alike here at USF. We know we're in a unique time where it's a time of great opportunity, 
but it's also one that, that I kind of describe almost as a fault line that there's going to, don't know what it's going to be yet, but there's some level of a line that's going to demark what's D1 and what kind of resources do you have to have, what kind of things do you have to make available to student athletes versus those that might not. So what what did you all talk about about that and learn about knowing that there's still an evolving process over the next couple of months? Yes, this was definitely a big point for us and uh, some different opinions in the room, but for those that don't know, and I'm sure you can explain that better than me, but Project D1. So obviously the NCA has restrictions on how much a school can help their student athletes, right? And Project D1 would make like almost those restrictions disappear, right? So like schools could, if doable, potentially uh, scholarship all their student athletes. So all we talked about was, and this is like, and someone said, and it's great. It's talking about the elephant in the room because obviously nowadays schools have a lot of money, so they want to um, enhance the opportunities for the student athletes. But then where is the line between the competition between schools and conferences, schools that don't have um, that much money to, you know, a student athlete will want to go to a school that can give scholarships to him and to all of them, right? So where's the line between the competition and, okay, awesome, This is these are great opportunities for these student athletes. So this is what we talked about is, you know, where is that line? Um, but yeah. we, we're not the ones that are going to decide on that. Uh, we gave some inputs, but we'll, we'll let Congress decide on that, right? <laughs> well, they could very much have a big, big input. And at the end of the day, you know, it's been, you know, the desire and the voice of student athletes has, has really increased the amount of benefits that student athletes have gotten in the last, let's say, 10 years that when you kind of take a reflection back, it's really amazing. More scholarships, more sports, uh, cost of attendance, which is commonplace now, but was is relatively new. Uh, what we put here in place here at USF, we call it Bulls Plus, but basically it's the Austin Awards for academic incentives that come about. We're able to increase the amount of nutrition and healthcare and mental health resources to your point are all things that we've obviously added on to that we've done it because it's the, what our student athletes need but we also knew and know that it's going to those that provide those are ones that are going to be considered for this uh, you know project d1 that we certainly want to stay ahead of so so the, the last thing i'll talk about before some general impressions is is you did talk a little bit about nil and, and i can just tell you that some of the things that we did pass at this convention related to student athlete protections gives the opportunity and encouragement for agents to sign up through a re to register through the NCA. Uh, it ultimately provides templates of contracts and support services for uh, athletes so that they know what kind of deals they're getting into and then ultimately will create a disclosure of deals that student athletes will do um mainly so that there's good data because right now you never there's a lot of yeah. tables on some's true and some's not true but to really kind of get a better overall database so that a golfer at usf can maybe better compare her or himself to a, a golfer in, in in that same league or in a different league so you kind of just know what maybe the market rate is if you will to kind of just be better informed whether that comes true or not so the interesting thing is i think a lot of people have you know, waiting that, and this will take effect August 1st, but uh, the student athletes were very, at least the representatives in the room were very strong about wanting that to, to, to be able to do it. And maybe you can just reemphasize that based on what you all talked about with the, uh, I know Morgan Wynn was one of the representatives in the room and others that were 
that were important in the uh, student athlete discussion. Yeah, one thing that got approved is um, deals that are higher than $600 will be required to be disclosed, right? And that's super important. I think all of us in that room wanted that to happen and we want any deal, even if it's five bucks to be disclosed, it, it, it is what it is, it, you have to disclose it. So that's kind of the opinion from, from everyone and IL deals need to be disclosed. And uh, I'm glad that rule is going to start August 1st and yeah, that's kind of what we want. I also wanted to say something kind of switching gears, but one of the things that we talked a lot about and that I forgot to mention earlier is employment status. When I got the chance to have that breakfast meeting with you and Morgan and some other uh, administratives like the ECU president, um, we talked a lot about this, right? So um, employment status. Um, the majority of the student athletes in that room do not want to be employees of their schools. Um, and I wanted to touch on that because it's a big thing going on in college sports right now, a lot of discussions and um, yeah, we don't want to be able to get fired so easily. We don't want to honestly have to deal with all those things that employees have to. We want to still be able to get scholarships and not have to pay with the money that we'll get, like our salary. And then the biggest thing is we don't want sports to get cut. We don't want the low revenue generating sports to get cut. And that's the biggest thing that would happen with uh, employment status. And then one other thing, and I relate to that a lot. And I was actually asked to go into a separate room and talk to lawyers about this is uh, international student athletes. What comes with that, right? We are not allowed to have a job in the United States since we come with a student visa, right? We There are some exceptions like working on campus and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, this was a big thing that we talked about is employment status. I know you talked about that. We, we got the chance to talk about that over breakfast. It relates a little bit to NIL. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to leave that out there. Great points and I'm, I'm glad you brought them up, Leo. I mean, the bottom line is with the whole conversation with, with Congress, we're all recognizing that uh, there's a uniqueness to college sports. We, we know that. It, is it great and that we're providing more and more benefits to student athletes, both from a, their market worth as it relates to NIL and also through academic achievement and, and, and different things that they can do. And those are new benefits, which are, which are, which are great. Um, but knowing that it's also tethered, as you mentioned earlier, to your degree and, and other things, it, it shows the uniqueness of college sports. And so finding the ability to provide these resources and, and benefit opportunities to students, but yet at the same time, maybe not uh, have the same level of antitrust uh, requirements and or employment status being placed on every student athlete, uh, something that we kind of want to find the right balance for. And, and and legally, that's just hard to do without some special exemptions. So it's it's not an exemption being sought to not provide the benefits. It's more a matter of how do we how do we both provide the benefits and be able to not lose the the good parts of those benefits. <laughs> so mm -hmm. absolutely. And I, and I think that gets lost. So I'm really glad you kind of brought it home with what you per perceived and what you talked about because that's really the, the issue. I think sometimes some folks get on the one way of the issue. Oh, you don't support student athletes, or you do, and we and I don't like the way it's going. It's like no, it's both ways. You want to support them, yeah. 
but yes, where is the help that we can make sure that the NCA is not getting sued every time? That's <laughs> uh, the, thing. It's the NCA, we um, had the chance to meet with President Baker and he talked about that. And he also talked about that balance that we want to find. But yeah, it's true. Like the NCA is spending so much money just to to be defended in court. So yeah, um, these suits need to stop. I know the NCA isn't perfect, but wow, there's a lot going on. <laughs> President Baker definitely wants to find that balance between giving all the support that we want to our student athletes, and but also how are we going to do these legally? How are we, we also want to protect our student athletes. So I think um, President Baker really said that is really thinking it right. And um, I liked what he said. I really liked meeting with him. It was awesome. Well, as we kind of wrap this up, I'm going to just let you have kind of open-ended question because you're right. We, you had a chance to be with all your peers that shared great ideas of the current student-athlete situation. You sat at a breakfast with members of council, with with president at ECU, who's the chairman of our American Athletic Conference currently. You sat with the president of Baylor University, who's the head of the whole board of directors. Um, you had a chance to be in a forum with the president of the NCAA. As we close, what was that like? What, what, what did it inspire you to do more? And, and, and what does that kind of lead you to think about as you as you continue on with the semester? 100%. I, li I like this question. <laughs> no, so I'll go a little bit uh, back, but you'll see how it relates to what I want to say. So I am a kid from Portugal. I'm 20 years old, and I had never been in America before uh, coming here to first day of class, right? I actually, just funny, a uh, funny thing, I actually got here, my coach took me straight to the hotel so I could spend seven days in quarantine because of the COVID rules and stuff like that. Right. Didn't see <laughs> teammates, didn't even see the golf facility, didn't do anything. Anyways, so I'd never been in America, came over here, uh, didn't really know what college athletics was going to be like, and I absolutely, I think everyone knows, fell in love with it, fell, fell in love with USF. I'll never be tired of saying that. And it's not just because I'm here meeting with you, but USF is the best school in the country. And I'm just so proud to wear this logo over here. And, and with that, all these opportunities that came with that, right? So again, like when I came here, I didn't think that in my junior year, I'd be representing uh, our um, conference and USF at the national level, at the biggest NCAA event that exists, right? I didn't think that I'd be meeting with the NCAA president, right? So these opportunities that came from not only being an athlete, but being someone involved in the community and wanting to advocate for all my peers and wanting to make this experience even better, you know, this, this is like, the top like it's crazy that I was able to to have this opportunity and I'm just so so grateful for for USF and to to have this opportunity and yeah that I was not expecting to have this experience and the NCAA convention was incredible it, it was awesome I loved advocating and using my voice to share my opinions and and uh, advocate for the future of college sports well, you couldn't wrap it up much better than that. I appreciate you sharing your insights. We want to thank you for representing yourself, your family, your team, your athletic department, your university, and ultimately your conference at the biggest stage. You did a great job, and we really appreciate uh, appreciate all you did. And glad you had a great experience. Thank you, Leo. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you. And that'll do it for this week's edition of Bulls Speed Ahead. I'm Michael Kelly, and I uh, wish all our Bulls fans a great week and look forward to uh, our next broadcast. So go Bulls.